so rich in mercy, rich in grace. Cannot explain the richness of God. The Scriptures tries to, but they fail because He's so greater than what the Scriptures are. But it's such anointing in the Scriptures. We would like to share with you a few moments this morning. First John, where we're going to go John 14 and 12 first. Then we'll go to 1 John 4 and 4. Appreciate you being here today. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Bible said, let everything have breath. Praise the Lord. Give him praise because of his goodness. Because he loved us. Before we was ever born, he loved us. Okay. If you're ready, St. John 14 and 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I shall do, he shall do greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. All right. First John 4 and 4. You are of God, little children. Have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're going to title this morning, Jesus, the greater one, has promised greater things. Not only does he promise them, he's able to perform them. And not only is he able, he has performed them. Most Christians will tell you he's able, but do we believe he will? We're going to get to that here in a minute. He's eager to give us the things that he has promised in his book. He wants us to have them. He freely gives us the things that he has promised to us. Jesus always in the four gospels spoke of greatness. He always painted pretty pictures of greatness. We've heard of pictures worth a thousand words. Some writer says that's not true because one word from the mouth of God can heal you and a picture can't heal you. But he always painted pretty dynamic pictures of what was to come. He always spoke great things. He never spoke about little things. He wanted to give us the best that he had, the very best he had. When Jesus said to Nathaniel, because I say unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believed. Can you imagine seeing a man, I don't know how far away, sitting under a fig tree, and Jesus telling Nathaniel, you believe because I said that. But notice what else he says to him. Thy shall see greater things than this. What could be greater than seeing a man many miles away sitting under a fig tree? But he said, Thy shall see greater things. In other words, Nathaniel had to stay with him to see greater things. So he promised us great and mighty things. Jesus speaks of abundance of life. He wants you to have abundance of life. Abundant joy, 
abundance of peace, abundance of laughter. The only way you will ever have peace is to have the Prince of Peace on the inside of you. This world can guarantee you no peace. There's no peace in this world. But in the triumphs and the troubles of this world, you can have peace. He said, be of good courage because I've overcome the world. So peace that he gives us. I thank God for the peace of God that he gives us. The wonderful peace that he gives us. Luke 18, 29 and 30 said, No man have left houses of parents, brothers or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold, in other words, a hundred percent more in this present world. Houses, and not only that, but eternal life. Now, God wants you to be, have eternal life. But he wants you to have success in this life. Can you say amen? Huh? There needs to be a, a move of God in our lives of this mentality that, of poverty. God does not want you to live in poverty. He does not want you to have a poverty spirit. He does not want you to have a poverty health. He came to make us Great in the kingdom of God. In every aspect of our life, that's what he came to do, to give us that kind of life. Luke 21 and 4 said, For all that have their abundance cast in the offerings of God. And I know we've heard a lot about it, which is true. Jesus was talking about the woman that cast in the might. But I tell you, thank God for people that has abundance that can cast in to the treasury of God. Come on now. The only reason the church can exist because there's abundance being given. Abundance. I may believe that God wants you blessed before you can give more. I read an article the other day where this guy was interviewing this man. And he said, well, all I want is just enough for me and my family. And the guy writing the article said, I told him, that's sort of selfish, isn't it? That's all you want. You should want more that you can help the body of Christ. Thank God for those that helps build the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. We want more. You ought to want more of God. You ought to say amen. Jesus talked about having more. Those that have, Matthew 13, those that have shall have what? More. He wants you to have more. How many know that you're meant for more than what you got here today? No one has as much today as God wants us to have. Huh? He wants you to have more. Moses was caught up in the heaven 40 days and 40 nights with Jesus, with God himself. Did not eat and drink. He's the only man in the Bible that mentioned that did not eat and drink for 40 days and 40 nights. So when you're in the presence of God, you don't need to eat what? Or drink. When you get to heaven, you're not going to need to eat or drink. But he cried for more. The Apostle Paul received up in the third heaven for three years, so to speak, and got revelation that no man ever like him or before him ever received. But what was his cry? More. I want to know him. 
I want to know Christ. You may know a lot of things in this world, but if you don't know Christ, you don't know anything. That's the only thing that counts. And it's going to count a lot more when we get to heaven, to know Christ. We want to know him. So he wants us to have more. Luke 12 and 16. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. Verse 18. I will build greater barns and expect a greater harvest. Now, you can't condemn him because he wanted to do that. Is that right? Where do you get your wealth from? Come on, help me out this morning. Where do you get your wealth from? From God and God alone. The Bible said it's God that gives you power to get wealth. How come he has such success? Because it was God giving that success to him. He tore down his barns and built bigger barns because he was expecting a what? A greater harvest. How many are expecting something greater in the name of the kingdom of God? Now, I'm not talking about finances so much right now. I'm talking about the Spirit of God, to have the Spirit of God in our life so powerful, so strong that when we die, we're going to go to heaven. We're going to go to heaven. Praise God. A lot of times this rich man's been condemned, but I applaud him because of what he did. He was great because God had given him. You read, I believe, it's the first chapter, Joshua, and God said, I will begin to magnify your name among your people. God wants your name to be known among the people where you are. Our name is known. <laughs> we may not know how it is known, but our name is known among the people. Jesus always spoke of greater and mighty things in life. Jesus, the great one, has always promised greater and mighty works for us. Always from his lips, he has promised greater and mighty things. Proverbs 3.10 says this, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Now, how come his barns were filled with plenty? Because of God made the ground grow. He gave the rain and the sunshine. And gave him a mighty harvest. The Bible said, And God made Abraham rich. And it goes on to say he became very rich. Someone asked me the other day, said, How come if he was so rich, had so much land, and he had all these things, when he died, he had to buy a piece of land to be buried in? I said, His, his idea was not in this world. He searched and looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. That's, that's, that's who his eyes was on, was God. And the Bible said in the book of Hebrew, he saw that city through faith. Come on, say amen. The only way we receive the promises of God is through faith. There's no other way to receive what God has for us except through faith. This man was rich, very rich. He gave everything away before he died, so he had to buy a piece of land because he eyes was not on his riches it's one thing to have riches but it's another thing for riches to have us it's one thing to have success and success have us he never intended for the things of this world to have us he gave them to make our life easier and better one guy said i've been poor and i am now rich and i like being rich better 
And I know that may not go over too good with the church world today, but God wants you blessed so you can bless the kingdom of God, so you can help the kingdom of God grow, help missionaries and things like that. Go. He gives us health, salvation, and all sorts of things. He promised great and mighty things. When Jesus talked to the woman at the well in John 4, he promised her living waters. Living waters. But in John 7, 38, he goes a little bit further. He said, out of your most inward spirit shall come rivers of living waters. You not just have a well now, but he said he wants an increase of living waters coming out of us. So it can flood the dry places. Ezekiel says, Rivers to swim in. In other words, that means anointing. So much of anointing of God that you can just swim and float around in. God wants us to have such anointing in our lives. Because greater is he that's in us than he is what? In the world. Brother Ken has said several times in the Sunday school class, he said it again this morning. I've been trying to keep my mouth shut, but sometimes that's hard to do. But I didn't say anything this morning. But I agree with him. We do not need to be fretting and worrying and anxiety and frustration over what's happening in this world. Our God is greater than anything that's happening in this world. The peace of God shall rule your life regardless what's happening in this world. Our job is to pray. And God will do the rest. A lot of things I don't understand in the Bible. Joseph was put in prison for 13 years and God released him. God set him free. And the same God that released Joseph put Paul in prison for the rest of his life and he died in prison. Why? Listen, we do not understand the ways of God at all times. Jesus said, is it not God's will, when Peter pulled the sword and cut the man's ear off, is it not God's will for me to perform his will? We would not have this book from the book of Acts and nearly every book in this Bible from Acts to Revelation is written by the Apostle Paul and he was written in prison in shackles and chains. He was taken out of prison and beheaded. I guess you would say that God released him from prison. He got his head cut off, and he went on to heaven. Do not understand all that. But I do understand this. We serve a merciful, living God that's merciful in all ways in our lives. It may not suit our flesh, but it's his will. He promised great things. I believe this morning... If you'll hear to the voice of God, you will see greater things happening in your life than what you see today. Greater and mighty things that God has for us than what we can imagine. Someone from another state told me last week that God has moved on me and told me, I want you to start praying for my people. There's so many of my promises to my people they're not receiving. said, I want you to start praying for my people. There's so many prayers that my people are praying and never getting answered. 
I tell you, God wants to hear your prayers, but he wants to answer your prayers. We're going to talk about the promises of God here a little bit. God has promised us greater and mighty things than what we have. We're meant for more. God wants us to have more. We're living in a very sick world. This is one of the greatest times for God to be able to begin to move. And I'm not talking about health. I'm talking about I have never in my 82 years heard of so much family dispute and gnawing and griping at one another as I hear today. God brought Isaac, Esau, and Jacob had been at one another's throat for 21 years. Esau wanted to kill Jacob. If he'd have got a hold of him, he would have killed him. But somehow or another, Brother James Clayton, God intervened. When Jacob left home and he saw the angels ascending and descending, he heard a voice from heaven saying, I will not leave you. You ought to shout hallelujah. I'm going to come to this again in a minute. I don't care what we're going through with. God is not going to leave you. He is not going to forsake you where you are. After 21 years, they ran together and fell on one another and kissed one another. And Jacob falls down on the ground and calls Esau Lord because he was a senior brother. If God can do that, God can bring family members together that's bickering and backbiting one another and perform a greater things in their lives than fall on one another and kiss one another. God wants to bless us. Jesus said, I have so many things that I want to tell you, but you're not able to receive them. God has so many things he wants to give us. I mean abundance of things. Abundance of things he wants to give us. Isaiah 45 and 11 says, Command you my hand. After Moses died, Joshua was in battle. Joshua 4. And the Bible said he stood before all the people. And he shouted out. Anybody know what he says? I think Brother Clayton knows. He probably be quiet. Anybody knows what he said? He looked up to the sun. And what did he say? What come off his lips? What did he say to the sun? Sun, stand still. Don't move. He turned his eyes around and said, Moon, stand still and don't move. And the sun stood still. God wants us to be able to have so much authority and the power of God in us we can command his works. He said, command you my hand. He commanded the sun before all the people to stand still, and that sun stood still. And the scripture said, never before or never after there has been anything like that until Jesus came. Oh, church, when he came, they said, we've never seen it on this fashion before. He went to Nicodemus, or Nicodemus came to him, and Nicodemus said, I know, and my scholars know, that no man can do the thing, Brother Melvin, you're doing, except God be with him. Listen. If God is with us, what can be against us? And I know we got problems. You got problems. 
I want you to know there's a God greater than your problems. God is greater than what we're going through with. Scott Hamilton was a national skating champion four times. I don't think no one else has ever beat that. One of the judges told him when he began to skate, told his coach that he'll never make it, said he's too small, he's just too short. He'll never make a champion. He said, don't let the critics describe what you're going to be and become. Don't let the devil, your critic, describe to you what you're going to be and what you're going to become. God has already described to you what you're going to be before you was ever born. You may have had a lot of failures, a lot of setbacks. That little book that I picked up the other day at uh, Books of Million, it was on a, a bargain shelf, and I picked that little book up, and I read in there about him. He said, you can't live in this life without failure. You can't. You can't live in this life without falling sometime. You can't live in this life without having setbacks. But what's most important of all is your attitude when you get back up. The kind of attitude that you're going to display when you get back up. When you get back up, you're going to say, I'm going to try again. He said the only failure you have in life is your attitude. If your attitude is a failure, you're going to be a failure. But if you're going to get back up, you ought to read how many times he failed, what all he went through. He's a national known speaker. He's New York Times number one bestseller. He was called to go to, to speak to a group of people. He got on the plane and went and said, when I got there, I was surprised at the crowd that gathered to hear me. But when I looked out across them and talked to them, most of them was amputees. As I talked to them, I realized I was not no champion. I realized that they were the champions. Loss of legs, loss of arm. He went through all something. And what they had overcome to reach where they were. How many believe with God's help you can overcome anything in your life? I don't care how many times you fall, how many times you sit back. The only failure you've got is an attitude. He said that you get up with the wrong attitude. You get up with a champion attitude. And don't let the devil, the critic, criticize you and tell you what you're going to become and what you can't become because God has already designed in your life what he wants you to be. Already he's put it in there. All we got to do is believe what God has said. Brother Don talking about. We got to believe God. I believe God. I don't know what I can sing that or not. But I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Genesis 1, the earth was without form and void in darkness. Oh, but I tell you, God stepped in. How many are glad when God steps in your life when it's full of darkness and void and empty? He just steps in. Amen. Hallelujah. He just steps in and he just takes over. Amen. He didn't ask your permission for anything, Rhonda Mollum. He didn't ask for your permission. He just stepped in because you're a friend of God. You belong to God. He knows you're in trouble. He come to deliver you out of your troubles. He come to give you the promises of God. He just steps in like a hen over a chicken and starts incubating. Amen. He starts hovering and moving and begins to, hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. 
People tell me we ought to pray for all this stuff to leave. You're wasting your time. You're frustrating God, and you're aggravating a pig when you try to teach him to sing. God never said you was not going to have dark days. He separated the darkness from the light. He's saying darkness and light does not mitch. Light is greater than darkness. Light drives away darkness out of your life and puts hope and joy and peace in your life. He just stepped in said, move over a little bit, Brother Don. I'm going to take over. Let go and let God take over. Huh? I had a dream last night in a church I'd never been in before. I don't remember very many people there, but we were praying. And all of a sudden, this huge man stood beside me. I don't know whether he said, I don't remember anything about it. All I remember is his appearance. How many, oh God, how many times something just stepped into your life? Hallelujah, and you knew it was God. You knew, you've been praying, but you knew it was God just stepped in your life. You could feel something was different, and he didn't say anything. He just stepped in there. And you knew the authority of God had come and answered your prayers. That's the kind of God we serve. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never leave you alone. Well, you know what all I've been going through with. You ain't been going through with it by yourself. Hello? You just didn't recognize he's there? Jacob said, surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. I got a picture through mail the other day. I intended to talk to Julie and him and see if they could put it up on the screen. It's a huge picture about flaming chariots just flying around. I want you to know this morning there's human, not human, but flaming chariots flying around your household. There's angels flaming wherever you are. He's assigned them to protect you. Do what? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus was in the garden with the wild beast and the boogerman. What else was in there with him? Somebody shout it out. Angel was there for what? Strengthen him. Church, we don't realize sometimes that our strength did not come from ourselves. It come from a flaming, ministering spirit that God sent from Hebrews 1.14 to minister your life and encourage you and inspire you that you can beat that thing. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord today. In the book of Joshua, God said, Joshua, you well up in years and age. You're getting old. You're 110. But there's still so much land to be possessed. How many of you ever noticed when you read in the Old Testament, when you read what he gave to Abraham, he promised him what? Land. Y'all ever noticed that? It was land. Why land? Because that's where the people was. People was on the land. He promised land. Joshua, there's still so much land to possess. You're getting old. You're 110. It's like this person told me last week. 
God has impressed on me. My people are not receiving my promises. I want you to have the promises of God. God wants it more than anything else in this world. He wants your prayers answered. And Joshua died not possessing any more land. I love the scripture where the Bible said, And David served his generation and fell asleep, Sister Linda. He served his generation, Brother Keenan, and then he fell asleep. There's nothing else that he needs to do. He has served his generation. Apostle Paul said, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. You cannot live in this life. I say you cannot live in this life without spiritual warfare. There's a flesh that's warred against the spirit. Paul said, I fought a good fight. But God has equipped us with the Holy Ghost and fire to whoop that person, that flesh, that evil spirit that wars against us. Greater is he that's in were and me that's against me. That's against me. And our family, we got some sickness now that's against us. But I want to say that that's defeated. Huh? I don't know when, but I know it's defeated. Huh? Some people say, well, I've been praying a long time. Abraham waited 25 years. Hello? Huh? Romans 4 said he staggered not at the promise of God. He waited 25 years, but he never staggered the promise of God. Some people say, well, Sarah laughed. Abraham laughed too. Well, Abraham laughed with, with, with gladness. Abraham, Sarah laughed with doubtness. Well, I don't know about that. Hebrews 11 tells me that she received strength. <laughs> from her maker to conceive, to bear forth the child after 25 years. Why don't you gird up yourself and say, I know it's mine. I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's on its way. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love that song that uh, Brother Ken used to sing. There's a miracle coming down that dusty road. But Brother Ken, I've chained my mind on that. When I read Tommy Barnett's book, there's a miracle in your house. How I many you know there's not just come down the dusty road, Brother Ken? It's come and stepped into your house. It's been a coming for 25 years, Abraham, but now it's come and stepped into your house. Now the promise that I've gave you is now fulfilled. God fulfills all of his promises that he promised. Don't grow weary in well-doing and start doubting that it's not coming. It's on its way. It's on its way. We're going to skip over here a little bit. Well, maybe not. C.L. Lewis in his time, many centuries ago, great Christian spiritual writer, he said, you'll never get too old to dream new dreams. You're never going to get too old to dream a new dream. Without a vision, people perish. They perish. God told the children of Israel, so now when it comes to the end of the sixth year, 
planting your crop, don't plant water in the seventh year. Don't plant nothing in the seventh year. Don't, don't plant anything. This is one of the reasons the land in Cash County is wore out, completely wore out. We farmed it to death. We grazed it to death. It can't grow anything today without fertilizer because we robbed all the nutrients out of it. But God said, now don't plant anything the seventh year. He said, I'm giving you a promise. The sixth year will provide enough for you, Brother Pam, and for the seventh year. I'm going to cause the sixth year to produce such greatness, you'll have enough for the sixth year, then you'll have enough for the seventh year, and you won't get another harvest until the eighth year, but that sixth year is going to supply enough for the sixth year, seventh year, and the eighth year. And they obeyed God. A one-year harvest supplied them for three years. That's the promises of God. When you follow the promises of God, he's going to give you what he said he would give you. He's going to give us and bless us the things of God. Acts 4.33 it said, great power he gave the disciples. Acts 6 and 8, it said, great wonders and miracles he gave them. 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, Paul said, a great door of affectionateness is open to me, but there are many adversities. Anytime God opens a blessing in your life, what's coming next? The book of man has got your number. And he's going to attack you. He does not want to see God's people progress and do well. A great door was opened for Paul to minister, but the adversary was there great too. But there's something inside of us greater. Praise God. Something greater. I'm looking for great things. I'm expecting great things. I'm looking for great things and expect great things to happen in your life. You're looking because God is greater. And Jesus said, up on this rock, meaning revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Shall not prevail against it. Let us read and close from Micah 2 and 7, where the prophet gives this. Oh, house of Jacob, shall it be said, is the Spirit of the Lord restricted? Can the Spirit of the Lord be restricted? Is he restricted, he asked. Is he restricted of impatience? Is he restricted of shortness of his promise? Do not my works do good to him who walks upright? And I know unbelief is a terrible thing against the kingdom of God. But the Bible said where sin abounds. Unbelief is sin. Doubt is sin. Can I go a little bit further? Worry and anxiety is sin. It needs to be repented of. God did not create us for that purpose. He asked it here. Is he restricted? But where sin abounds, much more does what? Come on. Much more does what? Grace does what? 
abound. The Old Testament prophets never had the Holy Ghost. Not one prophet in the Old Testament had the Holy Ghost. They had the Holy Ghost up on them. But when Jesus came in Acts 2, he poured the Holy Ghost out in us and upon us to be with us forever. His spirit is greater than doubt, unbelief, fear, and worry. Grace is greater. Grace means the favor of God. It says in the book of Acts, and great grace was upon the church. They had great favor with God. All of that doubt and fear and worry can be overcome by the grace of God and by the peace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The prodigal son left home, probably one of the richest homes on the face of the earth. He had everything you could imagine, but he left home. He wanted to do it on his own. He went down to the foreign country and spent his living. And then he did one of the worst things that a Jew could ever do, and that's to join himself to the pigs or the hogs. That was a no, no, no. Pigs are unclean. Pigs are unclean. Israelites will not eat a pig because he's unclean. Brother James Clayton and I was at a conference one time. I believe he was there in Dallas when a guy got up there and preached about the sheep coming down. And then that guy from Tennessee said, Brother, I don't believe that. I don't believe that sheep was that big. He was talking about all kinds of animals in there. I read that again this week in the book of Acts. And the Bible said, and a great sheep. But it, the Bible said, and a great sheet and all kinds of beast was where? I believe that. All kinds of beast was in there. When he called disciples, he showed them what they was going to, their life was going to be like, catching fish. The net was breaking, the boat was sinking. He said, from this day forward, you'll catch men. So God always showed great and mighty things. When this prodigal son goes home, I mean, goes down there and joins himself with the pig, God said, I will never leave you. God told Jacob it, when, when he left home, that when the angel said, I'll never leave you, I'm going to never leave you. Wherever you go, said, I'm going to go until I'm through with you, and then I'm going to bring you home. I mean, believe that God is not going to let you go until he's through with you, and then he's going to take you home. The son left the father's house, but the father didn't leave the son. You may feel like you're so far away from God, you can't feel him, but you have may left God, but he has not left you. He has not left you. This prodigal son could not have come back home if it had not been for the father standing out in the field watching and waiting he was waiting for that boy to come home. How many believe today that God is waiting for your loved ones, your friends and lost people? He's waiting for them to come home. It doesn't matter what they've done and what they're involved in. God's mercy endureth forever. Is the Spirit of the Lord restricted? 
No, thank you, Pam. Not restricted. The elder son. You might could say the elders of the church, okay? Okay, he, he's an elder. I say the elders of the church had give up on this boy. They didn't like it when he come home. I've seen it through the years a lot of times. Somebody come in out of the dirt, the grime of the world, and just really get excited and Sometimes we want to sort of set them down because they're embarrassing us because their excitement, they're so thrilled to be out of that darkness. I tell you, if you've ever been in a pig pen, I raised pigs when I was a kid coming up. Dean Turner and I used to be in the hog business, amen? And I tell you, if you oh, I don't need to go no further there. Just let you figure that out for yourself. As far as the way, well, no, let's don't go there. Praise God. But this boy got fed up. Hallelujah. He got fed up with that hog pen. He got fed up with that stink within his nose. He got fed up feeding them hogs. You know why he got fed up? The grace of God was not restricted in his life. He wanted to leave home, but God did not leave him. He left home, but the Spirit of God did not leave him because I know when the Bible said he came to himself. When Jesus healed the man, had legions of demons in his body, the Bible said he had a right mind. When the Spirit of God comes in a person's life, he'll give them the right kind of mind. He'll give them a right kind of heart for them to go home. And I'll tell you what you're going to find when you come home. What your loved one's going to find when you go home, you're going to find a loving father going to run towards you, going to kiss you, going to clothe you, just like you've never left, just like you've never left. Brother Clayton, you look like you might want to say something, don't you? No? Praise God. Naomi left the house of bread. She left the house of bread because she felt like it was a famine there. She wasn't getting fed. It cost her husband and her two sons. One day she heard, oh, God. God caused this good news to travel. She heard there was bread. She went back home and brought Ruth with her. Oh, church, we got a God that's merciful. Acts 10.38 says he's full of compassion. Now, I don't know this, but I've I, I seen this just recently. When a deer is shot in 70-degree weather, in three days, what happens? Huh? It's just, say it's laying out there in the woods. What happens in three days? spoils and starts stinking. Three days. I want you to get this. When Jesus told him, said, I'm glad I wasn't here when your brother died. Wasn't that cruel? Wasn't that mean? I'm glad I wasn't here when your brother died because I'm going to show you something greater. He said, where do you lay him? He said, well, he stinketh by now. When a person's dead four days, the flesh starts falling off the bone. It rotted and it deteriorated. He said, he's, he's, he's been dead four days by now. Don't never think you're going too far. And you're too dead. And you're too rotted. And all of your life has fell apart. And all standing around you said, there's loss of hope. He's gone too far. But when Jesus steps at the tomb of your problem, 
And people said, it's no use now. He's dead. He's, he's stinking. But Jesus says, roll away the stone. He calling them forth. Your life cannot go so far that God can't reach you, nor your loved ones. He's always there to call it back to life. Can you imagine? I want you to try to visualize a bone, a flesh falling off the bone. He deteriorated. He stinks. But Jesus says, Lazarus. He's calling your name sometimes. Lazarus, come forth. He promises great and mighty things in our lives. Praise God. Brother Don's already mentioned, we want to see Brother Arnie back up here, and we want to see Brother Leslie back up here, and we want to see Brother Clyde back up here. I'm telling you, I don't care how, how bad it looks and what, what, what they say. He's the chief physician. Look for great things. He promised great things. And this person told me that, that God has impressed on me to start praying for my people to receive the promises. that I. There's over 8,000 promises in that Bible that God has promised to his people. Over 8,000. And all of them are what? Yes and what? Amen. In other words, they're freely given and they're ready to be taken. God bless you for being here today. May the Lord richly bless you the rest of this day and all this week. And may you receive some of his promises this week. And may your prayers be answered that you've been praying this week. May they be answered. <clears throat> if Abraham waited 25 years, how much more so in, in our patience we possess our soul. Some people say, I wished I had the patience of Job. I sort of doubt that. To get the patience of Job, they'd have to go through what Job went through with. One year pulling 18 inches worms out of your body and your wife standing there saying, why don't you just give up and curse God and die? Why don't, can you imagine hearing that every day? Then why don't you just curse God and die? He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. His latter end was so much greater than his former end. So your latter days are going to be what? There's only, Scott Hamilton said there's only one failure, and what's that failure? Your attitude. Always get back up. Get back up with the right attitude. And God will richly bless your life. God bless you for being here today. God bless you. Thank you.